Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Access Talk with Trish, a 30-minute weekly radio segment dedicated to examining the good, the bad, and the reality of accessibility in our communities. And I'm your host for the show, Trish Robichaud, disability awareness coach, author, facilitator, motivational speaker. I'm a woman with a disability, but I'm definitely not a disabled woman. The Access Talk with Trish radio show can be heard live on Wednesdays at 1130 Eastern at accesstalkwithtrish.com. Or you can listen to past show recordings on demand at any time at the same address or on iTunes if that's how you roll. The show is brought to you by Changing Paces, an accessibility consulting firm that simplifies disability legislation for organizations that think they don't have the time or money for compliance. Visit changingpaces.com and nurture a culture of inclusion where everyone matters. And on that note, I'd like to introduce my guest for this week. Mark Wafer is a powerful advocate who sees disability as an opportunity, not a threat. His fearless can-do attitude led to the development of a winning business model that proves that people with disabilities often make the best employees and provide priceless competitive advantage in an increasingly marketplace. In 1995, Mark became what he calls the Tim Pitt salesman. He purchased a Tim Hortons franchise, a busy 65-seat restaurant in Scarborough, Ontario. But as customers soon outpaced his frontline staff, Mark had to hire Clint, a young man with Down syndrome, to clear tables and key dining room area. 20 years later, Mark owns seven Tim Hortons restaurants, employs a workforce of 250 people, 46 of which are people with disabilities. And as for Clint, he's now part of the management team. Since 1995, Mark has hired over 120 people with disabilities to fill meaningful and competitively paid positions in all areas of his operations, from entry level to logistics, production, and management. Mark's business success is a testament to his hard work and the willingness to challenge certain myths and misconceptions about how to best run a company. His tactics are scalable, transferable, and valuable lessons for organizations looking to adopt inclusive employment practices and comply with accessibility legislation. Mark is co-founder of Canadian Business Sensibility, Canada's national strategy on business employment. He was a member of the federal government's panel on marketplace opportunities for people with disabilities, and he's an advisor to many governments, both in Canada and internationally. A recipient of Canada's Meritorious Service Cross, as well as the Ontario Medal for Good Citizenship, Mark was inducted into the Canadian Disability Hall of Fame in 2014. He's also an avid motorsports enthusiast, race car driver, and former amateur sports car champion. Wow, Mark, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Glad to be here, Trish. Wow, man, you have been so busy, and I'm so impressed with how much you have accomplished. I'm sure there are many people who are. Let's start, Mark, with you sharing with our listeners a little bit about your own experience with disability. I understand that you have some hearing loss. How does that impact you? Yes, yes, I'm, I'm deaf, um, or, or more specifically, uh, very hard of hearing. I was born... Uh, 
are we born deaf? Um, which are about 20 to 25 percent uh, of normal hearing in both ears. And uh, I grew up uh, grew up wearing hearing aids, and uh, they didn't really work very well. But uh, I lip read, and I do have some hearing. Of course, uh, the hearing uh, deteriorates a bit as we get older. Uh, that's natural. And so my hearing today is probably 15 to 20 percent. Thank you for explaining. I understand. Tell me, did you having a disability have anything to do why you sought out employees with disabilities? Yeah, more than likely it was. Um, we didn't uh, initially set out to be uh, a fully inclusive employer. Uh, it simply happened uh, as a matter of hiring that, that young man back in 1995, Clint Spolin. One of the things I did know is that uh, people with disabilities face many, many barriers, not just in the workplace, but in society. And the, the number one barrier, of course, being the attitude of society and the attitude of employers. And uh, when I opened my first store, um, I had to hire somebody to look after the dining room. And I, ha I had a need. I had to advertise for somebody. And the person who walked through the door and applied for that job was Clint Spalling, a young man looking for his first job. And Clint had Down syndrome. So he was yeah, in the right place at the right time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, couldn't, I, I didn't have a lot of experience you know, around people with intellectual disabilities at the time. I really didn't know what to expect. But one thing I did know for sure is that because of the barriers I had faced growing up as a young man with a disability, I knew that if Clint was walking down the street knocking on doors looking for a job, he wasn't going to get one. And so I gave him a chance. I gave him an opportunity. I enlisted the help of a community agency, a job developer job coaches to help me train Clint. It took a little longer as expected. After a while, when Clint was working and uh, cleaning dishes and, and operating the dishwasher and looking after the dining room, I realized that Clint had become my best employee. Wow. And, you know, he had about 50 employees at the time, one score, and Clint would come to work sometimes as much as an hour early. It was very difficult to get him to take a break. <laughs> and I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it at the end of the shift. And where, where in the world does an employer find that kind of loyalty in, in a uh, in an employee? And so as my yeah, as my business grew, and we had we had six locations today, but we had five locations very quickly. We continued to hire people with intellectual disabilities, and I started to see a pattern. Those employees with disabilities were not calling in sick. They were not looking at the clock to see what time it was, to see if it's time to go home or go for the next break. They required no supervision at all because once they were trained how to do a job, there was only one way to do it, and that's the right way. Mm -hmm. And they were working in a more safe manner. And so I started to see that there was, a, there was a, a clear business case for being an inclusive employer. And that's why in 1997, my wife and I opened our doors to anyone with a disability, any type of disability, as long as they could do the job or they could be trained to do the job. Your success with cultivating an inclusive workplace is staggering. How long after you started hiring people with disabilities were you able to see, to clearly see the benefits? Uh, I think it was uh, probably two to three years after we started. Um, there were two things that really happened that showed, that showed me that there was a, a clear business case. One was that we, we had um, a much lower turnover rate uh, for our employees. And this is once we built capacity. So 
that we're tracking, we've, we've now got six or seven people out of 50 who have a disability. Right. So we were seeing much lower turnover rates. And typically in the quick service restaurant industry, the average turnover for a restaurant would be about 100%. That would be normal for a well-run operation. Wow. And we were running, we were running turnover rates of around 40%. With the people with disabilities, yeah, the people with disabilities not leaving at all. And so we discovered that there's clearly a business case there, but the other side of it too was the effect it had on the rest of the employees. The other employees turned over less. The other employees um, had a, a new uh, found mindset towards people with disabilities. Um, it wasn't them versus us. It wasn't, uh, there was nothing, in fact, we used to have a sign in the kitchen and it had the word them with a cross to it because there is no them. Everybody was equal. Awesome. And one day, one day in 1997, we had, we had a health inspector come into the store and Kent was very interested in what the health inspector was looking at. So Kent was following him around the restaurant <laughs> and we passed, we passed the, uh, the inspection. And he, the inspector was filling out the pass, and Clint said to him, you wouldn't give us a pass if you saw the freezer on the outside of the store. <laughs> and of course, everybody, everybody laughed, including the inspector, and he continued to fill out the, uh, the pass. My manager took me aside and he says to me, I can't do this anymore. He said, that Clint nearly cost us. And I said, no, he didn't. And he said, yeah, he nearly cost us. Mark, you have to make a decision. It's him or me. So I fired the manager. Wow. Because Clint was more, Clint was more valuable to me. And that had a profound effect on everybody else who was working in the store. Because at that point, they realized Mark is very serious about this. But one of the things I found out later on in life, uh, when I started speaking about uh, the, the, the power of inclusion in the business case, is just how many people in Canada are touched, directly affected by disability. Mm-hmm. It's 15% of Canadians have a disability, mm-hmm. but 53% of Canadians have a direct family member who has a disability. And so that, that has a profound effect on, on, on the rest of society. We often have people apply at our, at our restaurants who say, are you the restaurants who hire people with disabilities? And they say, yes, yes, we are. You have a disability? And they say, no, I don't. But I want to work somewhere where people with disabilities are hired. That's awesome. Yes. So you have completely transformed the culture of your Tim Hortons environment. That's exactly what it is. You change the culture. I mean, you can't do it overnight, but it, that's exactly what happens. You change the culture of the workplace. And obviously, you've been tracking statistics. So you've got the numbers to prove the business case now. Exactly. Of course, as soon as you, as soon as you build... Now, there's other, other companies that have done this, and when we compare the statistics, they're almost identical. But once you start to build capacity, you see a much lower turnover. You see a safety rating that is approximately 85% better. I, we've actually hired nearly 160 people now with disabilities in the last 20, 22 plus years. In all that time, we've never filled out a WSRB claim for an employee who had a disability. Wow. And, and it's, 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 people quite often ask me, employers ask me, Mark, you know, why do you have a safer workplace just because you hire people with disabilities? Well, you got to look at a person like me, who's deaf. I can't exactly run across the street without looking. Mm-hmm. I can't hear anything coming. So 
I'm more aware of my surroundings and I'm more careful. Right. Uh, You're taking so more I, caution. No, more caution. So that works into the into the into the workplace as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have somebody who's got cerebral palsy, for example, in a wheelchair. They're not going to get out of a wheelchair, climb up on a rickety ladder, and get something off the top shelf. They're going to need somebody right. else to do that. Right. right. Well, that makes you, sense. You had, you also, there's also um, an, an innovation factor, uh, which is not often talked about, but is very valuable to many companies. And that is that people with disabilities tend to have different problem solving skills. If mm-hmm. you, if you, uh, you know, if you're in a wheelchair user and you get up in the morning and uh, take a shower and make your breakfast and get dressed and get in your car and drive to work, perhaps with hand control, you're already thinking differently than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And, and and that type of innovative spirit uh, flows over into the workforce. Beautiful. So once a business owner decides they want to go inclusive because they've seen your amazing model, where can they turn to find employees with disabilities? How, where have you, how have you found your employees other than those that just walk in the door? <laughs> the supply is massive, as we would imagine. Is approximately 450,000 recent graduates in Canada with a disability who have never worked a single day. Wow. And of those, 270,000 hold a post secondary education. So it is a massive, massive talent pool of people with disabilities. And that's just the ones who just recently graduated. It's far more right. who, who were unemployed. We have a participation rate, which is extremely low. And we have an unemployment rate, which is extremely high. So there is a massive talent pool of people. So the supply is definitely there. The issue is the supply chain. Now, right. Agencies that we can approach and agencies that help uh, to find people who uh, will fill the positions that you need who have disabilities. But most People with disabilities in Canada who are looking for work are self-advocators. They don't necessarily have an agency who's working for them. Right. So what we do is when we advertise uh, any position, we always put on the advertisement that this position is open to anyone with a disability. Fabulous. Straight and clear. Yeah. You're not breaking any, any, any labor laws by saying that. Mm-hmm. Not saying that it's only open to a person with a disability. But people with disabilities have been turned down so often that many people, the majority of people who have disabilities have low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Because they've been, their whole lives they've been told what they can't do. They've, been, they've, they've had barriers put in front of them. They've been, you know, they've been beaten down. And they've mm-hmm. been denied. They've been declined. And so when they look at a job description, they take a look at that job description and look at all the items on there that are required for that job. They will not apply unless they can do every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Because they don't want to waste their time going for an interview and then having the interviewer point out that one thing. And then right. they get turned down again. Right. You know, for example, almost every job ad that we see today says must have a driver's license. Right. You know, many people with disabilities don't drive, so they're not going to apply. Mm-hmm. So it's very important for employers who want to access that talent, that they make sure that their recruitment process is available to people with disabilities. Most larger companies today, you're applying online. Right. Oftentimes, if a blind person or a person with low vision decides to apply for a job, they can't do so because the software is simply not there 
right. or the, ac- the access is not there for them to apply online. And yeah. so it's so it's vitally important that, that companies make sure that they they hire people with disabilities, hire them as consultants to look at the recruitment process and make sure that it is accessible to all. Good advice. I'm going to ask you for some more advice. Many employers are still making false assumptions about employees with disabilities. What might those top three assumptions be, and how do you know they're false? There's a series of myths and misperceptions. Um, I think the the number one is uh, is, is the fear of, of firing, the fear of what happens if, if it doesn't work out. And there's a fear of litigation. Mission is a fear, you know, fear that if you, if you hire somebody in a wheelchair and uh, you have to replace them, uh, you know, because of um, uh, performance-related issues, mm-hmm. now you're going to be in trouble. That's that's number one. Um, I think number two is the fact that the the, the um, employers believe that people with disabilities will be less productive. You know, you're going to be more, going to need more sick time. You're going to have, you're going to make uh, 30 widgets instead of 50, um, and you're going to need more supervision. And um, I think the, the, the third one is probably um, absenteeism, where, you know, there's a, a feeling that the employee will take more time off, require, coming in late, or, 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 or any other myth or misperception mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. about about their attendance, right? But the, here's the reality, though. If you look at the um, at the first one, employers are buying into that myth because there have been some stories about people with disabilities going to the Human Rights Commission. If a person with a disability is hired in my business, they are treated exactly as someone who isn't. So if they're not doing their job properly, you know, I've got 46 employees with a disability today. I've hired nearly 160. Mm-hmm. Some of them are fired. I've fired people with Down syndrome. I've fired people in wheelchairs. I've fired people who were blind or deaf. I've fired mm-hmm. them with cars. Their performance was not where it should be. You give them every opportunity to improve. If they don't improve, then they are no use to you in the business. They need to move on. Doesn't mean they're bad people. Just means that they're not working out to you. Just like any steps. other person who wasn't cutting the mustard. Exactly. So you have so you have a, um, you have policies and procedures in your business, typically uh, around the Employment Standards Act, and you have to follow those. So so if you, whatever you follow for a person who's not disabled, you follow for a person for who does same. have a disability. And, and that's a really who, good that's a really good principle to follow. Because treating yeah. everybody equal, and that's how it should be anyway. We're going to go yeah. to a commercial break right now. Mark, when we come back, we're going to talk more about um, the effect that um, having so many people with disabilities this has on your company overall. We'll be back in a minute. Devon has been with his company for over five years, since before his legs started giving him trouble. He loves his job, he's great at it, and he plans to stay with the company till retirement if possible. Problem is, it's getting difficult for him to walk from his desk to the washroom. His supervisor, Aisha, lets Devon know that she's noticed he's having some trouble. She suggests they move his desk closer to the entrance and the washroom. Devon is relieved and agrees. 
This is an example of a basic accommodation that helps make a workplace inclusive. Did you know that 50% of accommodations don't cost a dime and 80% cost $500 or less? The inclusion of people with disabilities in the workforce is the best answer to our current labor shortages. And making businesses accessible to customers with disabilities sees you tapping into their $32 billion spending power. Sound good? Then let a changing paces, warm, and friendly expert take you by the hand and walk you through the steps to making your business accessible to everyone. Visit us at changingpaces.com today. And we're back. So, Mark, tell me, how does, and we covered this a little bit already, but I want to know on a really high level, how does employing people with disabilities affect your, your company culture overall and your business effectiveness? It has a, it has a profound effect on, on both the uh, employees and the culture of a business, but also on the business itself from a profitability point of view. But interestingly, it also had a profound effect on our customer base. Uh, customers, uh, customers want to shop in a retail outlet that hires from the fabric of their community. And with 53% of the population being directly affected, people go out of their way to go to a retail outlet that hires people with disabilities because they have that at home. Right. We have phone calls and emails every day from customers um, or potential customers saying, uh, we heard about your hiring practices. We heard that you've hired a young man with Down syndrome or I see you've hired people with uh, autism. My son has autism. I'd like to support you. Um, I'm going to shop at your store. So we outperform in terms of year-over-year sales growth and year-over-year transaction growth. We actually outperform the average for my sector. Wow. And, and that's, that's not just this year or last year. That's every single year we outperform. And I have a wonderful, wonderful managers and staff We've been with for a long time, but so do every other Tim Hortons and McDonald's and W. They all have great people working there. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference? What is the difference? Well, the difference is because I'm an inclusive employer. I mean, the, the business case is just huge. Mm-hmm. The other thing too is you look at when you look at the the statistics. Just take one statistic for example, turnover rate. If the turnover rate for my sector is 100%, typically and mine is 40%, you have to look at how much that saves me in terms of dollars mm-hmm. and cents. Because in a Tim Hortons today, it can cost anywhere from three to $4,000. Just consider wow. yeah. your, your, your recruitment. That's a big investment. Oh, sure it is. Um, so if, 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 if my turnover is 40% and my colleague down the street is 100% because he, he or she is not a, uh, an inclusive employer, then I make more money. And so, mm-hmm. the, so, the, so, so, the, so being an inclusive employer has a profound effect on the profitability and the bottom line and the margins of a business. Right? When, I, when I speak, and I do a lot of public speaking on this, my message is that you're missing out on better profitability. You're missing out on a gold standard here if you're not being an inclusive employer. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's the right thing to do, but that alone is not going to motivate any company to hire somebody with a disability. Maybe mm-hmm. one. That's it. But when you start to build capacity and you start to see an improvement on your bottom line because of all the things that I said, that's when you get companies to start to, to listen to this mm-hmm. and to think, maybe there's something to this. Maybe I haven't thought about this before, but if I'm not making more money, maybe I can too. 
-hmm. And that's how we get companies on board. So can you summarize, we're going to wrap up shortly. Can you summarize for us your experience um, with a short list of barriers that other employers should watch out for? Because obviously employers tend to put up barriers and that's what happens when uh, people with disabilities have a tough time getting employed. Yes, the, the number one barrier uh, that, a, that an, uh, a company puts up is, is attitude. The attitude towards people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And typically what happens is, uh, and, and I'll tell you where that comes from. Um, if, if we look back years ago when, when um, um, the, 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 the comedian Jerry Lewis would, would have those Jerry Lewis telethons, and mm-hmm. he'd have Timmy and Tammy sitting on his knee. He taught everyone that people with disabilities are only worthy of our pity, mm-hmm. only worthy of help, somehow broken. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where that type of attitude comes from. So there's a, there's a, a fear with, uh, with companies almost always make a judgment call of the capabilities and capacity of that person sitting in front of them who's deaf, blind, in a wheelchair, or autism, or whatever. Mm-hmm. One of the things we do in our business is we practice what we call ATP, ask the person. We don't decide whether somebody can do something or not. We ask them if they can do it. We, and if, if somebody applies for I'll give you an example. I had a young lady working for me a few years ago who was deaf, working in a customer service position. She decided she wanted to be a baker. And now in, 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 our, in our kitchens, in the Tim Hortons, the ovens work on audible warnings. So since we practice ATP, and I said to her, Brigida, you go in the kitchen and you figure this out. Take an hour, figure it out. You go figure out how you're going to be a baker. And if you can do that, God will find you. I threw it back in 15 seconds with a solution. A solution that I, even, I hadn't even thought of. So that's why it's so remove that one barrier. The awesome thing, Mark, is you gave her the opportunity to remove that barrier herself. That is really cool. That's really really what we're doing. We're asking them to remove the barrier themselves. Let's say HR is a process engineer and there's 10 applicants. And the best applicant is a person in a wheelchair. The questions they ask the other nine will be very different to the questions they ask the one in the wheelchair. Because the one in the wheelchair, they're trying to figure out how this person's going to get around the office. How are they going to get to work? Mm. Are they going to get to work on time? They're not asking that question of the other nine. Mm-hmm. The other nine are asking about the competencies and their capabilities. And to be safe, they hired a second best candidate. That's typically what happens. Because mm-hmm. they didn't practice ATP. If they'd asked the person in the wheelchair, how are you going to get around the office? They will tell you. They're not going to apply for a job that they can't do. And the ATP stands for what? Ask the person. Ask the person. Got it. ATP, ask the person. Fabulous. Mark, this has been so enlightening, and I'm so grateful that you came to be on the show today. If any of our listeners want to know more about you or contact you about about what you're up to and how you've made that happen, how can they do that? I'm on Twitter. And I'm a, I'm a heavy Twitter user, at Mark Wafer. Also on LinkedIn, uh, Mark Wafer again. Uh, but my uh, email is uh, mwafer at explore.com, and I'll be happy to speak to anybody on this subject. It's, uh, it's a very, very important 
subject. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us thank today, you, Mark. And thank you, thank you, thank you to our listeners so much for joining us today for the episode of Access Talk with Trish. This is a 30-minute weekly segment dedicated to examining the good, the bad, and the reality of accessibility in our communities. Please join us again next week on Wednesday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. This show is brought to you by Changing Paces, an accessibility consulting firm that simplifies disability legislation for organizations that don't think they have the time or money for compliance. Visit changingpaces.com and nurture a culture of inclusion where everyone matters. Till next time, take self-care seriously and God bless.